Okay, if you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 6, please. Now, I will be saying some things this morning that I have said before. Even some of my points this morning are points I've made before. And I make no apology for repeating myself. I really don't, because my experience is when you preach, you say things, and people say, oh, I've never heard that before, and I've been saying it for weeks. So, Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 to 15, and I'm actually reading from the ESV. It'll be on the screen. Um, It's very like the NIV, but it's the, the ESV. And when you pray, Jesus said, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. A guy called James Montgomery wrote a lovely hymn on prayer. Many, many years ago, we used to sing it when I was a boy in the Salvation Army. I want to read it to you. I envy people who have the ability to put poetry together. When it comes to things like that, I'm a bit of a philistine, but I love these words. It's a bit bit old-fashioned, but it's worth listening to. Prayer is the soul's sincere desire, uttered or unexpressed, the motion of a hidden fire that trembles in the breast. Prayer is the burden of a sigh, the falling of a tear, the upward glancing of an eye, when none but God is near. Prayer is the simplest form of speech that infant lips can try. Prayer the sublimest strains that reach the majesty on high. Prayer is the contrite sinner's voice returning from his ways, while angels in their songs rejoice and cry, behold, he prays. Prayer is the Christian's vital breath, the Christian's native air, his watchword at the gates of death. He enters heaven with prayer. O thou by whom we come to God, the life, the truth, the way, the path of prayer thyself has trod. Lord, teach us how to pray. I felt quite interested this morning. I felt as though God's kind of made some stuff very personal to us this morning, talking about fear talking about our own walk with God, encouraging us to to take responsibility for our own walk with God. One of the things I value more than anything else in my life is that from being a very small child, I was taught to pray. And I don't set myself up as a a huge prayer or a model prayer. I, I find prayer sometimes as hard as the rest of us, but I do know that from a very early age, I, I knew and was able to talk to God about anything at any time and I knew he was listening and he was for me. Never doubted that. I, I, could, I, I learned to pray as soon as I could talk. I, it's just how it was. It was the same thing. It was like, you can learn to talk, you can learn to pray. It's what my parents did for me, and I'm so, so grateful. 
So can I urge you who are parents, please teach your children to pray on a regular basis. It's one of the best things you'll ever do for them. And if you're not sure about how to go about that, then have a chat with Gina or I or Simon and Jody, Raj and Charlotte, perhaps your community group leader, and we'll see if we can help you. Because it is inherently simple. I have three points I want to work through this morning. The privilege of prayer, the purpose of prayer, and the practice of prayer. The privilege of prayer. The, the ability and freedom of, for the people of God to call upon him has been one of the hallmarks of his people throughout history. In 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 26, we read about the Israelite king Uzziah. And it says of him in verse 5, he sought the Lord during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of the Lord. As long as he sought the Lord, that's prayer, God gave him success. And later on in the chapter, we read that unfortunately the success eventually went to Uzziah's head. He became proud, was unfaithful to the Lord, and so he brought the judgment of God upon himself. He forgot that prayer and relationship with God was a tremendous privilege that was not to be abused. He forgot that any success he had only came because God gave it to him. Do you know this morning that anything you have, any success you have, any home you have, any wife, husband, children, whatever you have is only a gift of God to you. We like to think we did it ourselves. Well, it's all a gift of God to us. I was meeting with, uh, I was away with Jeremy this week at his wider apostolic team uh, two days, and, and that was glorious and great. But all the time I kept thinking, why, why is it, Lord, I'm, I'm 63, and there's all these things before us, wonderful possibilities, the ends of the earth, why is it? And I felt God say this. I might have said this last week, I don't know, but he, he just impressed it upon me. Look at all the old men in Scripture that he called. Why pick an 80-year-old when he could have had a 40-year-old? Right? Why? Why pick old guys when he could have, you know, strutting guys? Like Tom. <laughs> There's a whole row. Of, oh, behind you. Oh, yeah, the three of you. Yeah, there you are. I think men. No, no, not not. You don't qualify, but the, the guys do, but, you know. Why? Why? Why would God do that? You know, this guy, Moses, look at him. I mean, he, 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 he's 80. He's been looking after sheep for 40 years. And he picks him out. You're my man. Abraham. Abraham. He's clapped out when he starts, and he's even more clapped out before he gets any children. It says, and Abraham, when he was as good as dead, that's what it says in Scripture. You think, God, why do you pick people who are as good as dead? Why do you pick old people? And I felt God say this, because if I pick young people, they'd think they could do it. And you can't. You can't. You see, when we're young, we're arrogant enough to think, God's called me, I can do this. I tell you what, you can't. But if we will be dependent and learn to lean on him, all things become possible. All things become possible. God's been really speaking to me about Jubilee. We, we are to be. You know the four wells, they're there. 
I, I mean, I just love these. These, these. Julian Adams prophesied these, but you know what? The last one's the one that I just can't get away from about us being an apostolic resource base for the nations. That's our calling. We're not less than that. That's the calling of the church. But Jubilee particularly has the hand of God on it to be an apostolic resource base to the ends of the earth. That's us. I'm praying for it, asking God for it, and going, I haven't a clue. God, how do you do this? And he says, watch what I will do. And it isn't because any of us are clever or particularly amazingly gifted, although some are. It's because God has chosen to grant us this favor. God has chosen in his grace to call us to this. And that which he calls us to, he equips us for. Simple, isn't it? When God first called me, I'm wandering away from my notes. Where's my Bible? I, I've probably told you this, but I, I, I told you, I'd just been to an elders and wives meeting many, many, many years ago. And it was awful. It was absolutely awful. The tensions in the room were dreadful. It was like tiptoeing. You know, you know when you just, everything's awkward. Do you ever been in those meetings? And you wish you were somewhere else? Well, I, I wished I was somewhere else. We got home, and I sat on the edge of the bed and said, Lord, if that's leadership, you can stick it, with my exact words. And I heard him say, pick up your Bible. And he was insistent, pick up your Bible. I picked up my Bible, and it fell open at 1 Samuel 10. See if I can find it for you quickly. Now, this isn't the idea we ought to get God to speak to you, but you know what? He gets your attention one way or another. It says this. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? And it exploded in my face, and I thought, Oh! And I threw my Bible over my shoulder and said, God, that's got to be your problem because I can't do it. Well, here I am. And it's all down to him, not me. The only way you step into the purposes of God is to be obedient. You just have to say, yes, God. And he will anoint you and he will equip you and he will enable you. If we think we can do it, we can't. God will, if, if, if you think in your youth you can do it, God will just take you down and take you down and take you down. You go round and round until you get to the point, God, I can't do this. He said, at last, now we can go somewhere. That's the Christian life. But I love it because it means we all can be used. It's not about how clever we are. I always say, give me a church of all the people nobody else wants and we'll have a great church. And we'll do exploits for Jesus because it's all down to his strength, his ability, his gifting, his empowering, his spirit. That's the life. I love it. I love it. Prayer and relationship with God is our tremendous privilege. Let's never forget it. King David says in Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, he says, and he answered me. 
He delivered me where? From all my fears. Oh, great, eh? Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man is a man who knew himself. King David, this poor man called, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. We taste and see that the Lord is good through prayer. It's such a wonderful privilege to be able to call upon God, our Creator and Savior, in joy. God, thank you. And in sorrow, bring it to the Lord in prayer. Such a privilege. And you know what? We know that He hears us. He cares about us. He loves us. He hears even the faintest whisper of our heart. How's your heart? What, what does your heart whisper? Oh, Lord. Does your heart ever whisper, oh, dear? Do, do you have any of those? I have those. Most days. Oh, Lord. I stand up here to preach and go, oh, Lord. <laughs> Not because you're ugly, but because I feel totally helpless. He hears the faintest whisper of our heart. Hmm. We are God's children on the earth today. and We have the unique privilege to be able to call upon Him at any time about anything. He's our loving Heavenly Father, and He encourages us to call upon Him all the way through Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for you? People say, oh, I don't know what God's will is for my life. I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's this. Be joyful always. That's the will of God for you. Pray continually. That's the will of God for you. And give thanks in all circumstances. That's the will of God for you. How do you feel about that? Thanks isn't the thing that always comes to mind, is it? It's like, oh. You see, it's not that we're thanking God for bad things. You know, somebody drives in the back of your car, it's like, oh, thank you, Lord. (laughs) It's not that. It's thank you, Lord, that in the midst of life, you're still mine and you're with me even here. We can be thankful in all circumstances. Even when family life's difficult, thank you, Lord, you're the same today, yesterday, same today, yesterday, and forever. You're not going to change. You're not going to let me down. I'm I'm a bit mixed up, but you know how I'm formed. I can come to you. I can be thankful. Good friend of mine, Jo, she's been there once or or twice, and she said, we were talking about prayer, and she said, I think you should write down five things to be thankful for every day. Oh, all right then. A bit terrifying, you know. And, and, uh, and so I try. I, t- I try to find things, to write down five things to be thankful for every day. You know what? It's so helpful to do that. You know, you go, oh, God, and then you think, hang on. Thank you, Lord. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. You know, that song. And it will surprise you what the Lord's done. Thank you, Lord, I've got breath. Thank you, Lord, 
you, you provide for me. Thank you, Lord, I have a roof over my head. Thank you, Lord, I have Jane. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. To be thankful. To pray continually. That is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. We only need to pray through the New Testament to see just how much prayer played a key part in the life of Jesus in the early church. As I was preparing, I, I sensed God drop into my heart that one of the main reasons there's such a lack of prayer in the church these days is that we've forgotten or never understood what a tremendous privilege it is to be able to talk to the Creator, the one who made the whole thing, the one who sustains the whole thing. We can talk to Him intimately, and He loves us. What a privilege is that? What a privilege. It's like the most awesome thing. The one who put the stars in place. The one who formed us from dust. The one who brought it all to be. I can talk to him and he's my dad. What a privilege. Absolute privilege. It's wonderful. Somehow we often see prayer as a duty. You ought to pray more. You heard that? Anybody said that to you? You ought to pray more. Be free, I'm not saying that to you. Simon didn't say that. No, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you ought to pray more. Yeah, no, no. We ought to pray for more because it will do us good, but God's not pointing the finger. He's inviting us to the party. He says, come and, come and have some nice fellowship. Come, 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 come and let me hear your voice. Come, come and listen to my voice. Come and to give some times. Come and have some intimacy with the one who made it all. It's not like, here's your duty, pray. No, no. It's come and enjoy. Because that's God's will for us in Christ Jesus. That's the nature of prayer. God loves us just the same, whether we pray or not. I'm not earning love from God by doing my penance and praying, praying my prayers. God loves me anyway, but he invites me to a party. He invites me to a meeting. He invites me to sit at his table. He invites me to partake of his, his word. He, he invites me to feed on the life he gives. What an invitation. What a privilege. Now, there is a big difference for the one who prays regularly and the one who doesn't. You see, the one who prays regularly will come to know and be aware of the love of God in greater measure. The one who prays regularly will find their, their intimacy with God growing deeper as we watch Him work, out, work for our good in every and any situation. I... I I haven't time to do this, but I have a history with God now. When I was working it out in my teens, I remember the day when I thought, somehow I want to be a man of prayer and I'm rubbish. And I was on my own and I was about 15. And I remember I got my Bible out and I thought, right, I'm going to give this morning to pray. And I knelt down by the settee. And it was awful. It was like, oh, God. I pray for five minutes. I'm not, I didn't know what to do. I was, I was thinking, God, how do these people, these big prayers, how, how do they get where? And I'm 15, and I don't know how to get there, and maybe I'm different from everybody else. But God heard my prayer. 
And he took me on a journey. And he's grown me up. And he's taught me a bit. And now I can pray better than I did when I was 15. Because I've been on a journey of growth and development. We're all on a journey of growth and development. You see, it's not how clever we are at praying. It's the fact that he hears the faintest whisper of our heart. He just says, come. Come and get to know me. Come and enjoy me. Because prayer is a huge privilege. Are we making the most of it? Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we, may, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We can pray with confidence because we're his people and he's our dad. Hallelujah. The purpose of prayer. What does prayer achieve? What's its purpose? Very simply, I believe prayer does two main things. It's through prayer, first and foremost, that we develop our relationship with God. You've heard me say before, I, it's impossible to develop a relationship with anybody without talking to them. When I met Jean, we went out. I went down to London and we walked for five hours around London. And she says, I talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and never bought her a cup of coffee. I don't remember, but I remember the, the day. I, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> we, the third, we did it three times. The third time, we actually went to see The Sound of Music in the end, but, which was nice. It was great. You know, by then, I was holding her hand. But, but <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's it it great. The point I'm making is this. There was a lot of talking. Because, <laughs> not much else. But, <laughs> right. There's a lot of talking because it's through talking you build relationship. It is. It's through sharing your hearts you build relationship. It's through, it's, if you want to know God, share your heart with God. Pour your heart out to God. Get to know him. That's how we build our relationship. Prayer is about building a relationship with God. It's not about formula. It's about being in his presence. And as I talk to him, he begins to talk to me and speaks deep things into my heart. So developing our relationship with him is what I consider the first major purpose of prayer. The second main thing that prayer does is to release the power and will of God into the situations we pray for. Prayer is not our last resort. Prayer is our calling and the most effective thing we can do. Jesus says that his house, we are now his house, yes? Yeah? His house is to be what? A house of prayer. Prayer is what we do. First and foremost, prayer is the first thing the church does. Jesus gave us some incredible promises about God's willingness to answer the prayers of his children, especially when we're agreed together as to what we're asking for. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have whatever we ask of him. So when we're praying for, for God to raise, up us, raise us up as an apostolic resource base for the nations, we're not asking God to, some, to do something he doesn't want to do. He's already told us prophetically, this is what I'm going to do with you. And for the other wells as well. So when we pray, we're asking in line with the will of God, and therefore he will give us what we ask for. 
because we have the promise in Scripture. It's great. James 5, 16 to 18, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. I love that verse. Ordinary, scared and down to earth and all that. He was just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Clearly God is saying that the prayers of his children are very effective, and that he loves to answer them. He loves to release his power and will into the situations we're praying about. That should motivate our praying. Don't you think? Do you have a few things you need God to work in? Well, ask him. Ask him. He loves to get involved. You've heard me say this quote a number of times, or these following quotes. Terry Virgo has said, Prayer is the primary human action in God's action on earth. Sorry, prayer is the primary human factor in God's action on the earth. And he also said, Prayer is the chief task of every believer. Martin Luther said it's the business of tailors to make clothes, cobblers to make shoes, and Christians to pray. What a man is on his knees is what he is. Then finally, the practice of prayer. I I believe God wants us to start taking him at his word and persevere in prayer until he answers. That's why we're praying again this week into these four wells, these areas of church life, that God has promised us we're going to be effective in. People say to me, it's interesting, another week of prayer, what are we praying for this time? And I say, the same as last time. Oh. You see, we don't, we don't, we, we kind of think, well, we prayed about that. No, no, we pray and we persevere until we have what we're asking for, then we move on. Now, in the midst of praying for these four areas of church life, there are specific things that we will highlight and pray at different times. But we're not for moving on until we have what God's promised us. Yeah? That's how it's going to be. (laughs) We keep praying. Now, by perseverance, I don't mean just keep repeating ourselves. Rather, we need to be regular and consistent in prayer, pouring out our hearts to God, listening for His voice, enjoying the comfort of His presence, letting Him quicken our faith and believe Him for more. It's this adventure. Prayer is an adventure. The whole Christian life is this adventure of exploration, hearing God. Oh, wow. It's not a quick thing, but we faithfully keep coming. We faithfully keep praying. We faithfully keep calling upon his name. And then suddenly, like this week, I, I, I won't go into all other than Jeremy's two team meetings for these two days. Dave Fellingham was there, and he brought a prophetic word. He brought a few, but none for me. But he brought a prophetic word for Jeremy that blew me away because it was some of the stuff that I got in 2009. I was like, Wow. You're like, God just joins things together. He fulfills his purpose. And what we do is we keep praying, and we keep praying, and we keep praying, and we keep praying, and we keep taking God at his word, and we watch him unfold things over the years. It's a big adventure. It's great. Well, I think it is. We persevere, and he quickens our faith. Believing for more. Believing for more. I mean, how do we see Teesside transformed with the gospel? 
None of us are clever enough to do that. God is. Can I believe him for all of that today? No, but I can believe him for a little bit more and a little bit more. I can believe him for right relationships and right people to come in to do the right jobs. A bit more and a bit more. And I can believe in the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years, Teesside is totally changed because Jesus is exalted in Teesside. I can believe that. But we have to be faithful today. Press in today. Let our faith grow today. In Matthew 6, uh, as I read at the beginning, we see Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. He gave them what's known as the Lord's Prayer. And as an introduction to that prayer, he says in verses 7 and 8, which are now usually NIV, he says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because they're many words. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So you think prayer is therefore not letting God know what we need because he already knows it, so prayer's about something else. We come back to intimacy and involvement as his people in the outworking of his purposes. It's exciting. It's amazing. Prayer, you see, is inherently simple. You don't need to be clever. You don't need to have a special insight or a special degree. Every child of God can pray. It's the fact it's the greatest thing any of us can do. It's not just for those who seem to be spiritual or are good with words. You know why I like prayer teams? I've done prayer teams, prayer triplets for years and years and years. Because somebody can come through Alpha, become a Christian, and they say, I don't really know how to pray. And say, come and join the prayer team and listen to this lot. And they copy what you do. And they, oh, you mean you can pray like that? Yeah, you can pray like that. And they start to pray like that. That's how you learn. You learn to talk to God because you're listening to other people talk to God. It's very simple. It's the best discipleship tool I know for prayer. We encourage one another. It's not about long words. Prayer, you see, is our calling. It's not that the prayers themselves change anything. There's a phrase people use, there's power in prayer. That's actually wrong. As children of God, it's our Father's good pleasure to answer our prayers. He's the one with the power, not the words we speak. So our prayers can be poor and stumbling. You can get your words back to front, but he knows what's in your heart. In fact, he hears the faintest whisper of what's on the inside, and he loves to answer that and bless it. So we can say, my words aren't much good and my prayers aren't much good, but the one we pray to is limitless in power and limitless in love and more than able to do more. We can, than, he can do more than we ask or imagine. Samuel Chadwick says, prayer is the privilege of God's children and our proof of sonship. So how do we do it? The Bible gives us two basic ways to pray. First, we pray on our own. Again, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. The, the powerhouse of prayer is actually what goes on in the secret place of each believer. To be a praying people requires each of us to be a people, a people of the secret place. 
You know that place behind the closed door where it's just you and God who meets? In our busy, noisy world, we seem to have lost the art of solitude and silence. I know some people who can't bear to be in a room without some noise in it. Radio, music, CD, something. To be on our own with God without music or distraction is foreign to so many people these days. Now, I know we can pray in the car. We can pray when we go out for a walk. We can pray on the train. We can pray absolutely anywhere. I know we can put worship music on at times and just worship God on our own. All of that's great. However, to deliberately choose to make time to be in a private place on our own with God without noise or distraction is, in my opinion, where our relationship with Him grows and develops the most. Because it's for Him. It's for Him. What are we going to do in this secret place? Well, that's up to you. It's a secret. It's supposed to be a secret between you and God. And as we give ourselves to it, then, then Jesus said, His Father will reward us in the secret place. So I don't know what your reward's going to be, and you don't know what mine's going to be, but have a good time. So this week, as we each put our name down on that board to pray for a set time each day, we all have the opportunity to grow in our relationship with God. It's not, oh, it's a prayer week. No, no. Here's an opportunity to grow in our relationship with God. You know, sometimes in the secret place, I fall asleep. Sometimes my concentration wanders, and I find myself picking a book off the bookshelf. Ooh. And then you open the book, and God speaks to you. Ooh. You know, when I drift and fall asleep and all that, I don't feel guilty. I just tell God all about it. I was helped most by John Wimber in this. He said, people think I'm a great man of prayer who takes days out to prayer and fast, with, uh, to, to pray and fast. And he, he said, what you don't know is most of the time I spend looking at the end, in the bottom of an empty coffee cup wondering what I'm doing here. But at least he was there. This, this, you see, work, there's, a, there's a work in prayer that you have to give yourself to it. And sometimes you think, God, this is really hard going. He said, yeah, I know, but I love you. And you're giving this time for me. And as you keep going, and as you persevere, there'll be days when you suddenly have a big encounter with God. There'll be days what seem to be barren, but you'll have other days of amazing experience. Certainly that's been mine days when I've become so aware of his presence, his touch, his love, and then his purposes get revealed. When you're on your own in the secret place, it's good, it's good to read your Bible, taking time to meditate, think through what God might be saying to you, and while there, invite the Holy Spirit to fill you over and over again. Learn to talk to God out loud. You know, God can hear our thoughts, but you find you'll concentrate much better when you talk out loud. 
Another helpful way is to write, I find, to write my prayers down. I, I pray. If I'm, I write down my five things to be thankful for. One. Right? And you do it. You do it. You do it. Write them down. And you know what? Then you're in a place where if God, you feel God starts to speak to you, you can write it down. I was looking through the prophetic story that brought Jean and I here uh, just on Friday, and oh, beginning of 2008, I, I've written down, I felt God speak to me and say, in the next little while, something's coming your way which is beyond your wildest dreams, and when it does, I want your first response to be to get before me with it. And I wrote that down. And the only reason I remember is it because I wrote it down because I don't actually remember the event. It's good to write things down. Very helpful. I cannot urge you too strongly to give attention to your life in the secret place with God. Now, if this isn't part of your life, then please don't suddenly decide you're going to pray an hour every day. You won't keep it up. You'll get discouraged. Try 15 minutes or 20 minutes in the secret place. And as you persist in it, you'll find you grow in God, I promise you. But I learned a long time ago that we will never be a praying community unless we're first and foremost individually a praying people. But then the Bible also encourages us to pray with one another. Okay, uh, Matthew 18, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, I'm there with them. Praying with others is a key part of our life in God. Jesus makes tremendous promises there. If we're children of God and we're agreed together, then he says you can ask anything and it, it will be done for you. That's why we have a corporate prayer meeting. That's why we come together tonight. Come on, Lord, we're asking together. We're believing you for these things. That should stir us, shouldn't it? Pray together in our teams, in our community groups, in our monthly corporate prayer meetings, like tonight and next week. And we have the rest of this promise to encourage us that as we come together to pray in his name, he will be especially present with us. Where two or three are gathered together, I'm there. I'm there. It's not like, oh, well, I'll come along. It's like, no, no, I'm there before you. I'm there with you. I'm looking forward to your prayer meeting. I'm looking forward to you guys getting together because I'm there. That's, that's the heart of God about prayer. I'm there with you. So can I urge us all to become even more a praying people? To develop our life in the secret place and to take every opportunity to gather together for prayer in prayer teams, community groups, and in prayer meetings. Why? Because prayer works. Simple. God wouldn't ask us to pray if it didn't work. <laughs> prayer works because we pray to the one who can do all things and who is limitless in power. It's through prayer that we learn to play our part in seeing God's purposes fulfilled in our day. Okay, I'm done. It's been quite a long meeting. I'm going to close, but I'd just like us to stand before God. We're going to, uh, if the band would come back, an opportunity for, for prayer, for healing.
at the end. Just come and stand over here. We'll have a group, team of people to pray for you. I'd just like us to stand in the presence of God. And I'm going to sing a song. We'll take up our offering. But I, I wanna, let's just stand together. I want to pray God's blessing on us. Right, let's just concentrate a sec. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Lord, we love your presence. We love your touch. Lord, I pray that your word will bear its fruit in our lives. Pray, Holy Spirit, you will bring us alive on the inside so that we will learn to pray and that we will learn and develop our intimacy with you in such a way that prayer becomes absolutely essential for us personally and as a church. Come, Lord, upon us. I pray as, as we pray this week, as we stir our hearts, as we pray tonight and next Sunday night, Lord, we're asking for you to bear your arm and change some things. We're asking you for a building. We're asking you to, for, for these four wells to be unblocked. We're asking you to show us the way forward in terms of future staffing in the church. So many things. We're asking your blessing on New Day and, and on North. God, we're asking you to do what only you can do. Lord, I pray nothing that's been said this morning will bring any condemnation over your people. Thank you, Lord. It's all of grace, and you invite us. You say, come, I invite you to fellowship. I invite you to call on me. There's no pointing finger from you. you. We love your presence here and ask your blessing as we have our time of fellowship and as then we go home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Thank you. Let's, uh, Let's worship God, take up our offering, and if you want prayer for any reason, just come here. I'd love to pray for you. You stood before